You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I'm ready. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to ask... Oh, let, let, let's pray for the kids right now. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Reach out to the children as they head to the back. And we're just going to bless them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to plant into your future on this earth. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that this is Christ in them, the hope of your glory. Father, we bless these children. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon them. I thank you that their minds are free from the law so they can receive from you. And all God's people said, Amen. Turn me up a little bit so I can hear myself. Wait a minute, don't sit down. Let's, let's, y'all get in here closer. It's family night. If you're, if you're in here, come on up close. Sit in the front rows. I, want, I didn't come this far to have to get binoculars to have to see you. I mean, come on in here. I'm going to spit on somebody. You know, I'm going to be able you know, I'm no, not that close. I mean, you know, that's, that's close. Now. Being a helicopter pilot and everything like that, you know. I like to hover. You like to hover. Yeah. All right. That's a little better. We got some rebellious children over there. All right. How many people know who the, whole great, the great teacher is? The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. And uh, it was advertised a couple of weeks ago that we're going to uh, begin to share on heart physics on Wednesday night, we don't have that much time, but we're going to do the best we can to, to start this out with. We have to explain uh, how we're made and, and how God started this whole thing. And to do that, we're also going to talk about salvation real quickly. Uh, does everybody know that God did not make humans? No, I'm serious. God didn't make humans. God made man in his own image. And when God made man, see there's a difference in being a human and being a man. And I'm not talking about the gender. I'm talking about the way God made us to begin with. Uh, God took from the dirt of the ground, the dust of the ground, and he breathed his breath into this dust. And man, be man became a living nephes, a living soul, uh, something with feelings and emotions. And that's what separates us from the rest of the animals that he created, was that he put his spirit. God created man with his breath, his spirit in man. You understand that? And so when Adam, see, Adam was created in the image and the likeness. And so not just did he have the image, but he had the likeness. And when he fell, he lost that spirit that was in him, that was in him from creation. And he lost that spirit. He lost the likeness, but kept the image. That's why we're supposed to be godlike or like God. See, that's what salvation is. Salvation is getting the spirit of God back in us because that's what made Adam lost was that he lost the spirit. Yeah. And so he began to look for something to fulfill that void with, like how big the antlers were on the deer he shot that year. 
how big his car was, how big his bank account was, how fast his helicopter went. I flew, you know, you know, man begins to look for his value, his dignity, and his self-worth, that missing element through the flesh. And see, when you look at colors, there's what they call the hue of colors. Uh, let, let me put it this way. Uh, Adam became a hue of a man, a human, because he lost the substance and was just a hue. He was just a image of what he was supposed to have been created like. And so Adam began to look for that, that uh, and he was lost. And, and when God, in the garden, when God did what he did, you notice when he made the trees, he made the trees to reproduce after each own kind. And the animals reproduced after their own kind. And so that's why when Adam reproduced after his own kind, that's why we know he didn't have any children before he fell. Because if he had children before he fell, he would have reproduced after that kind that had the Spirit of God in him. But all men, the Scripture says all men, say all men, have come has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I'm dyslexic, so I read the Bible backwards, and I think that gives me an advantage because sinning doesn't make people fall short of the glory of God. No. You not having the glory of God in you causes you to sin. Amen. The most natural natural thing for a sinner to do is what? The most natural thing for the world to do because they were created after Adam's own kind which was without the Spirit of God. In other words, when you, it says all men have sinned, short, it says they're sinning because they don't have the Spirit of God in them like after Adam because they were created after their daddy that didn't have the Spirit of God in him, after his own kind. And that's why the Scripture says, uh, if you ever run across that Scripture, says talking about those that have, not, that have sinned but not according to the transgression of Adam, they didn't have the law. Adam had the law, but they sinned because they didn't have, they were, had, they didn't have the glory of God in them. They didn't have the Spirit of God in him. That's why all men have sinned, even though they've never sinned. You understand that? You're a sinner not because of what you do. You're a sinner because you're born after Adam's own kind. That's right. Amen. That's why you have to get what? Born again. Born again. After God's own kind. You have to get the Spirit of God back inside of you as in Adam in the beginning. Everybody that was born after Adam did not have the glory of God in them. That's why when you get Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And by the way, everybody know it's just good to see you come into the church. I'm sorry. I know I'm taking up my time, but it's, it's so good to see you. You know, how many colors of dirt in geology? There's five different colors of dirt. Red, yellow, black, white, and brown. How many basic colors of man are there? Red and yellow, black and white, and and they're all precious in his sight. Yes, they are. See, man gets his color from the ground that God took when he breathed his breath, his spirit, man became a living being, a living soul. So this circle is going to represent the spirit of God. Man is made up of three parts. Three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Does everybody understand that? 
Now, a lot of people teach on spirit, soul, and body, but they miss one of the most, actually the most important part of spirit, soul, and body, understanding uh, how we function, and that is the area of the heart. The heart is where the spirit and the soul come together. It's their common ground. It's the common ground that they share. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 talks about the parable of the soils, is what I call it, not the sower, but the soils. Because there's one sower, and there's one seed, or one kind of seed, and actually that seed is the Word of God. No. Man, I tell you what, you're so indoctrinated to religious stuff. It says the Word of the Kingdom. you got to understand, when you, take, when you have context, and you take the text out of context, what are you left with? You're left with con. That's why it's important when you read Scripture, when it talks about the Word of God, what Word of God is it talking about? Yeah, God's Word. Woo! Now I got it. What Word of God? The Word of God in Leviticus? No. That ain't going to help you. Uh, can you all put Scriptures on the board quick? I can't tell if you all can put, do that. Can you put James, James chapter 1, verse 21? I don't know how fast she can do it. My wife, she'd already be, she'd be on it. I know. Wherefore, <laughs> yeah, trust me, I know. <laughs> okay. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and. Can you put the New King James? Is that asking too much? Yeah. Dyslexic mind and mind is just hurting. Wherefore, lay aside all part filthiness and overflow to wickedness. Thank you. Uh, uh, wickedness and receive with meekness the what? The implanted. <laughs> That means the word has to be implanted. The implanted what? Implanted where? Matthew 13 just said, in your heart. In your heart yes. right. And there's how many different kinds of soil? Four. One is really hard because, no, it's just hard. It's just like solid because of sin. It just won't even get in. And then there's one called a stony heart. What's written engraved on stones? Love. And some of us have a law-filled heart. And it says that heart will receive the Word of God. And when it's, it springs up with joy, but the rocks or the stones or the law will choke out that joy. It'll steal your joy from you. It'll put you back in the, miser the, 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 the atmosphere called miserable. Okay, and unhappy. So this is talking about the implanted Word of God. What Word of God? See, we quote these scriptures, we read these scriptures, we never think about it. How many people don't don't raise it, don't hold up your Bible? Don't don't do that right now. But everybody would hold up their Bible and says, when you, "Oh, you got to have the Word of God implanted." Yeah, you got to have the word. what Word of God? Do you realize there was a Word of God in history, and there's a Word of God in mystery? Yeah, that's right. I like that. That's good. The Apostle Paul was. It says, "This grace was given that I preach among the Gentiles the." Mystery. Amen. Oh, he could, he could tell people about the history better than anybody else. But he wasn't, he wasn't called to tell people about the history. He was called to teach the world about the, the, the mystery. Because in Colossians 1.26 says that there was a mystery hidden. There was a mystery hidden before the foundations of the world, but now is being made manifest in these last days for... You. Oh, there's a mystery. So it talks about here. There, oh, wait, wait, I'll go back. Oh, you put that on there. That's good. 
I quoted that pretty good. Go, go back to James. James chapter 1. Well, they're good back there. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, no flow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. How many people thought your soul got saved at salvation? Your soul does not get saved at salvation. You are a new creature in Christ. Your nature was changed. You were born again. First uh, Peter one twenty three says that when you're born again, you're born again with an incorruptible seed. An incorruptible seed. The word seed means sperma or spora. It means the DNA. That when you're born again, you have a new nature that has the DNA of God inside of you. Your spirit man is complete. Your spirit man is sanctified and you have the mind of Christ in the spirit. You don't need to feed your spirit. It is complete and whole and it's a full picture of Jesus. It's not a baby Jesus. Amen? All right. That's what happens when you get saved. Now we need to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The soul is your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your will. The Apostle Paul has said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, don't, oh, you can go there if you want to if you're that fast. It says, we are not of those who draw back to destruction, but we press on to the saving of our soul. soul that he was still bringing his soul, his thoughts, his feelings, his emotions, and his will in line by the implanting of the Word of God. Go back to James chapter 1, verse 21. Let me finish reading this. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your soul. Next verse. But be doers of the word. And, and, and how many people, you know, they'd be holding this up and go, be doers of the word. Bless God. No. I love this word. Amen. Don't get me wrong. I love this word. But we're going to keep it in context. Okay? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Amen. Man, I tell you what, we're, we're, you know, what's it mean deceiving yourselves? You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Jesus, I'm, I'm going to just put a figure on, I've never mathematically figured it out. I'm going to say 95% of all of Jesus' teaching was on how to live on earth and it wasn't about going to heaven. He taught about going to heaven, but most of his teachings was how to bring heaven to hell on earth. That's right. Our job as believers is to find hell on earth and bring heaven to it. The gospel is not about making bad people good. The gospel is about bringing life to dead people. Right. Amen. All the, all the Sermon on the Mount, everything, everything in the Sermon on the Mount is about how to live on earth. None of it is about going to heaven. The church has people, not this church, of course, the other churches have people all focused on going to heaven and they're not thinking about how to change the world they live in. They're just hanging on sweet by and by someday. Hopefully I'll get there. And they're not walking in victory. We need to be about our Father's business. See, that's what happens when you have a servant mindset. A servant mindset is only worried about his daily bread, and he's not worried about taking any other servants with him. But a son mindset is going to be a father-minded person. 
that's going to be about the Father's business. Amen. A servant is worried about giving. Do I have to give 10%? A servant is worried about giving 10%. A son is willing to give it his all because it's all his anyway. It's all going to daddy and everything daddy has is his. Amen. Giving is not an issue when you have a sonship mindset. Man, when you see yourself as a king's kid, you know what daddy has is all yours anyway. So you want to see the, you want to see the business prosper. You want to see lives touched on earth. You're not going to, that church talk, talks about giving. That, 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 that. Well, you're just a servant. You're doing everything you have to do because you have to, because you're under the law in your heart. And we're going to talk about heart here in a second once we get it. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23. I heard you. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is, a, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Come on. Come on. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Next one. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. See, there's some scripture that won't set you free. Let me point this out. In John chapter 8, did the Pharisees know scripture? Absolutely. The Pharisees knew scripture. But what did Jesus tell them? He said, if you're my disciples, the truth would set you free. See, they knew Scripture, but they didn't know the truth. See, what Jesus had to say was liberating. It was freeing. It was setting them free from the world of works. Matter of fact, this has nothing to do with my notes, but I'm just, that's okay, isn't it? And, and, and I don't, don't go away from here saying, well, Curtis doesn't believe in repentance. I believe in repentance, okay? But how many people have understand? I, right, sir. Uh, right, sir. Yeah, I know. Uh, how many people would, would agree that the number one teaching in this church is, in, not this church, but in, in church is to repent from sin? Have you heard that all your life? To repent from sin. That you gotta repent from sin. Who was, Je you know, Jesus came to the Jews. He didn't come to the Gentiles. He told them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Six verses later, seven verses later, it says he went throughout all Galilee teaching in the synagogues the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Now we won't get into how he got into those, I think we've talked on it before, how he got into those synagogues. They just don't let anybody pick up a book and start reading it, but only a master rabbi could do that. Oh, Jesus was a master rabbi. And if you hadn't got a hold of that, you need to. So Jesus went around teaching, repenting. He was teaching, repenting, to the most spiritual people on the planet. Yeah. But they had to change the way they thought. They had to change. See, repenting means to change the way you think. So you can turn from what you're doing. Now, we think that, let, let me just read this. I'm going to just let the Bible says what the Bible says. Verse Chapter 6 in the book of Hebrews, verse 1. Now leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. How many people know you're perfect in Christ? You're perfect. Your spirit man's perfect. But the Bible tells us we have to go on to perfection. The Bible says that you're complete in Christ. But it says to go on to completion. How does this all fit and work? How do we know? Does it make, how can the Bible say that we're perfect? 
we're, we're perfect, but we need to go on to perfection. We're complete, but we have to go on to completion. It's too confusing unless you understand spirit, soul, and body, that you're complete in the spirit, but now you need to renew your mind to what's already taken place in the spirit. And the Bible says in 3 John, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers because your spirit already has prospered. Amen. It can't get any better. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. And so the key issue here is what's going on in your heart. The heart is the issue. Just like if I, if I had my little squiggly... Let me go ahead and finish reading this so I don't forget. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, what kind of principles? Elementary. elementary. Basic, fundamental teachings of Jesus. I'm waving. I got you. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from sin. Is that what it says? No. That's not what it says. Does it say one of the elementary principles of Christ is the repentance of sin? No. The elementary fundamental principle of Jesus Christ was repent from dead works. What are dead works according to Jesus Christ? You doing something, thinking it makes you better than what Jesus made you is a dead work. You doing something and thinking that what you do makes you better than somebody else. That's a dead work. To think that what you do qualifies you better for the promises. That's a dead work. The elementary principle of Jesus Christ is to repent from dead works. You live in a life of works relationship. Jesus came to set us free from that. There's a liberty. There's a freedom in Christ. That the Pharisees... The, see, Jesus really... He didn't come to, to change... He didn't change any laws. He changed the application back to the way it was supposed to be originally. The Ten Commandments is a book of liberty. It says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. And if you're not in bondage anymore, what are you in? You're in freedom. The Ten Commandments on how to stay free. But they got changed. They got, the Ten Commandments get changed. The application got changed. As soon as man got a hold of it, he began to take it and use it for something it wasn't meant for. And Jesus brought love back into it. That's all he did. You know the woman that, the woman that's called in adultery? He was in the temple. I've shared this before. We'll share it again. Jesus was in the temple. And the Pharisees, the, the people in the temple brought, brought this lady caught in adultery and said, this lady was caught in adultery. The law of Moses says this. What do you say? Do you really think they cared what Jesus said if he was just a... No, they wanted to hear. See, the only person that could interpret the law was a master rabbi. And they wanted to hear what this master rabbi had to say about this law because this woman was called in adultery. It just wasn't trying to trick him. He had an opinion they wanted to hear. Well, he didn't say the law, well, forget the law of Moses. No, he didn't say that. But he interpreted it, the application of the law. Okay, you with no sin cast the... He didn't change the law. He put it back in the area it was supposed to be in. 
love-based, yeah. not self-righteousness-based. And so what did he do? He knelt down with his finger. The Scripture says he wrote in the dirt. He wrote in the ground. What wrote the Ten Commandments the first time? The finger of God. How many people know, I've been to Israel, okay, but how many people know that there's no dirt on the temple floor? Never has been. Never will be. The temple floor is made out of cobblestone. The same finger that wrote it the first time. While they were quoting it, he just might have been starting to write it again. That's just my assumption. Now I'm telling you that ahead of time. That's a, that's a good assumption though. That's a good preaching assumption. That's what they were saying. I've heard, well, he was writing down the names of the people that used it before. How many times did the Ten Commandments have to be written? How many times he kneeled down and write? He turned to the lady and says, where's your accusers? You know why he said that? Because for the law to be transgressed, you have to have two or three, and there wasn't any. Where are your accusers? There are none. So she can't be found guilty. Amen. Amen. The ones that wanted to accuse her could and the one that did didn't want to. And then he said this. This is so powerful. Nor do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. The ability to live a sinless life comes from the revelation that you're not accused anymore. It's the accusation of sin that causes you to sin more and more. It's the guilt of sin that keeps you in it. But when you're free from even the accusation, you're free from the struggle of sin. When you realize who you are in your heart. Uh, put put First Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. I'll put verse 3. I'm sorry. Let's go up one. It says this. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. That's over here in the body. How many, you know, we're, okay, let me, let me do it this way. I don't have time to do all this. Okay. Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your will. Over here in your body are your five senses. Touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. In between your soul and your body is what you call your mind. If you got if you got a problem in your in your mind, the signals from out here get translated differently. And you receive, if you're colorblind and you see green, it's supposed to be blue. You're not getting the right signal. So if there's something wrong in your mind, it's skewing the truth. So if you have a broken heart, and the word says you're loved but you have something wrong in your heart, it's going to skew that and you're going to feel like... See, if you have a bad father relationship and you hear God's a father, whenever you hear the word about God being a fire, it's going to skew it. Instead of being loved, you're going to feel... You're not going to hear the truth. That's why Jesus came to heal the broken. 
So when the word, truth is spoken, you can receive it. That's how powerful the heart, that's, that's why the heart, heart physics is so important. Because heart physics works this way. The same laws of physics apply in the laws of your heart. One of the principles of physics is every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So heart physics says this, that if you tell yourself, I must become a better Christian, I must become a good Christian, what are you telling yourself? That you're not. And the harder you try to become something, the deeper it goes, it solidifies the fact that you're not that something. That's heart physics. Heart physics works on the principle of knowing who you already are in Christ Jesus in the Spirit. That's why your heart has to agree with the Spirit in the Word of God. If your heart agrees with the, what it's been trained after all these years in the flesh, you're going to hear good things talked about in church, but you're never going to experience them because you hadn't renewed your mind to the truth of the Word of God. That's why it's don't be conformed to this world, but we transform by the renewing of the mind. And we don't have time to talk about 2 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians tells us that if you're ever able to look into a mirror clearly without the law, without the veil in front of you, you will see the glory of the Lord. Now what are you seeing when you look in a mirror? You're not seeing Jesus. You're seeing you. Because God sees you. He doesn't want you to be Jesus. He wants to be you full of wisdom and power and strength and glory. Christ in you, the hope of God has a reason for you to be here. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. First Timothy, First uh, Timothy, chapter one, verse nine. I hope that's the verse. First Timothy. Listen, how many people are saved? You got to see this. First Timothy. No. Second Timothy. It doesn't sound like I'm guessing, does it? All right. I'm supposed to be all knowledgeable and all wisdom. Second Timothy. Am I going to have to read it? Okay. Who has saved us? This is God. God has saved you. Not, yes, yes, you're going to heaven. Yes. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. But that's not why He saved you. That's a benefit of being saved. That's a benefit. That's a promise. But the reason He saved you, who was saved and called with a holy calling, not according to what you did or what you don't do, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to you in Christ Jesus before. Way over here, remember that? Over here. Y'all remember that tree? You were hidden in God and you were put into this earth so you could walk in the Spirit so Christ didn't use the... Listen, God's been waiting on you. You're His secret weapon. Problem is, we're, we're secret agent men. The world don't know we're here. We need to quit being secret. We need to unsilent our night. Quit singing that Christmas song. That night was anything but silent. The shepherds got so excited at nighttime they woke the whole town up to tell everybody that the Savior's been born. When was the last time you had those kind of... Oops. 
things. <laughs> that was close. You understand what I'm saying in the Texas or Oklahoma vernacular, right? It's time we unsilent our night church, but we don't believe it in our heart. Salvation is about what happens in your heart. Romans 10 9. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your Faith is something in the heart. It's not the head. Romans 10.10 clarifies this. He says, For with the heart one believes unto what? Righteousness. Righteousness. I tell people all the time, you don't need to be saved to go to heaven. Amen. Amen. Oh, you ought to see the religious spirits up north jump up and down on that one. It's like, ah! Salvation is your righteousness you experience on earth through the confession of your mouth. Amen. That's what it says. Righteousness is right standing with the Father. That's what happens when you believed in your heart Amen. that God raised Jesus from the dead. You got born again. And it's called the fruit of righteousness that comes out of you. Amen. There's a difference between fruit and position. The position produces the fruit. Fruit never produces the position. Let me put it this way. Redemption is free. Reputation is earned. We have to have, be of good reputation. We have to have a reputation amongst the community. We, faith without works is... Oh, come on. I say it this way now. That there's twice as many verses. I like doing it. That's a little magnification. It depends on how loud you say it. There's twice as many verses in Scripture that say that faith without works is righteousness. Then there is faith without works is dead. James says there's one. Book of Romans and Galatians, that's two. That's twice as many, but it sounds like there's many more, doesn't it? <laughs> Pastor John, there's twice as many verses says by faith without works is righteousness. Hallelujah. But we quote that one. Even in the church like this, we still quote it. Faith out working. Why? Because we're indoctrinated. Our heart is still saturated with, with the elementary principles of the world. And we haven't repented and released ourselves from that bondage. I've got, I never use notes, but I got a whole bunch of notes all talk, talking about spirit, soul, and body. And, and we're not going to get into the big words, but you know, this is, there is a bichotomy and a trichotomy. I, we believe that, I know Pastor John and I, that, that we're a trichotomy. We're spirit, we're soul, and we're, uh, and we're body. The Baptists believe that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. You can't be separated. But you know, in the book of Hebrews says the Word of God is sharper, rightly dividing the... The soul and the spirit and the thoughts and the intent of the heart. That's the real you. The intent of the heart. We were reading that scripture in, in 1 Peter, which we're not going to go back to. It's talking about the adornment of the outside. But it says, Rather, let your adornment be the hidden person of the heart. That's the real you. That's the one you hide from everybody. And you, you don't even like looking at it yourself. That's the real you. I double dog dare you. You know, you can't get worse than double dog dare. 
unless it's a triple dog dare. You got kids, you've watched the movie. I got it. To be here Sunday. Because we're going to talk about this in a way you've never heard this talked about before. You might even not like it. No, it's just it's just a commercial. You gotta give them a commercial. I I I, I double if if you're not serious, don't even show up. How's that? I'm not interested in numbers. Either was Jesus. He was interested in disciples. Amen. I gotta ask. It's really kind of a funny thing. I I've never been in this kind of position before up north. I've got pastors. There's one special Lutheran pastor. Went to Lutheran seminary. He's an older gentleman, and. uh when I say older, I mean he's older than me, older than John. Amen. Yeah. And uh, he's been coming for four years to our Fergus Falls Freedom Fellowship we have. And about three years ago, he said, I, I curse you almost made me not be a Lutheran. <laughs> I said, I said, says my, my, that's never been my goal not to make you be, That's just a lifestyle. Go ahead and be that lifestyle. Just don't think that lifestyle makes you right with God. Right. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're assembly of God or Jewish. It's just a lifestyle. But don't think that lifestyle makes you better and more right with God. It's, that lifestyle doesn't do it. It's what's on the inside. It's what Jesus did for you. Amen. And uh, he, 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 he comes, I'm serious, he does this. Every month, now he preaches every week, but the, the Lutherans, they're told the scriptures that they're supposed to teach on. They're not told, they're not told what to teach but this is the scriptures, so everybody teaches the same scripture. So once a month, he comes early. Okay, Curtis, here's my scriptures. What you got? <laughs> he, 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 wants, he wants to do this show on, on the YouTube. He's got all the cameras there. He wants to do the show on the YouTube. Uh, I don't know what he's going to call it, but he's going to do it. He wants to sit down and ask me a question and let me respond. And that's just it. Just... Take a question and respond. He goes, Curtis, you guys, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just going like, maybe he just hadn't been hearing what I'm, anyway, he likes what we've got to share. And, um, it, it's just an incredible thing. And, but he was asking this one time, says, Curtis, our, our church is, is making disciples. And the spirit of the Lord came upon me, or the spiritual, spirit of honoriness. I don't know. Sometimes the same difference, something. I, I said, I said, well, who did Jesus tell to go make disciples? I'm asking you that question. Who did Jesus tell to go make disciples? What? No. He told his disciples. Did he tell his followers? See, you can only reproduce after... So I asked him, I said, how many of your people have been discipled? By Jesus, by the Spirit. How have they been discipled by their religion? <coughs> oh, yeah. So he shared that. He didn't have a church no more. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. That's good. They, they, they all received it. See, you, you, Jesus told disciples to go make disciples. You can't tell followers to go make disciples because they hadn't been one themselves. Remember, God created everything to create after its own. The question we're going to ask on Sunday was about discipleship. I guarantee you, you're going to hear some things about discipleship that you've never heard before. 
disciplined followers of Christ. <laughs> That's funny. Anything but. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, let's turn. Let's real quickly. We got we got another half hour. I know we're almost done. Uh, tur turn to First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. We'll read these real quickly. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. Now may the God of peace. I love that. Not the God of wrath, but the God of peace. You know, you stop and think about this. H have you ever heard fear taught in a church? Doesn't perfect love cast out all? Every church but this one. Doesn't perfect love cast out all? Fear? And if you're hearing fear in the church, that must mean the people leading the church doesn't have never experienced the perfect love. Uh oh, we won't go into there. We're meddling now. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Say completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. He who calls you is faithful, who also will... Whose responsibility is it? <laughs> I know some people's doctrine and theology, you were told you had to do it. You know where I'm coming from there, girl. God said it, He's faithful and He'll do it. You just got to present your bodies as a willing sacrifice, holding acceptable unto the Lord, and let Him do His thing. You have to be willing. I, I, I love this scripture. I love this scripture here. We're talking about purifying your souls and everything. Um, oh boy. Um, I got to come up with the scripture here somewhere. Um, Here it is, 1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter 1.22. Since you have purified your souls, since you have what? Purified your souls. How did you purify your soul? See, the Holy Spirit does a work in your spirit, and now you need to purify your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. How does it say for you now to walk in that pure, to make that happen since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth? What happens if you don't obey the truth? Your soul's not going to be purified. What's it mean your soul's not going to, does it mean you're not going to, does it mean you're not going to go to heaven? No, it doesn't mean that. It means you're going to live hell on earth. That means you're going to have a double-minded man and unstable in all your ways. See, if you don't, if you don't, Purify your soul. How's it say to purify your soul? By obeying the truth. Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, there's going to be a person that hears my sayings and does them. And that's like a man who builds his house upon a rock. There's going to be another person that hears my sayings and doesn't do them. It's like a man who builds his house in the sand. It's not about going to heaven because both of those people can be saved. But what they're experiencing on earth is different because they're not applying the Word of God in the building of their life. There are people that we know, that you know, that have heard the Word of God, they confess the Lord Jesus, but they're not applying the Word of God in their life. Amen. And they're going to heaven, but they're living hell on earth. But then there are people that hear God's Word. 
apply God's word. And when the storms come, they're strong. Every one of the messages in the Sermon on the Mount is about how to live in this earth. It's not how to go to heaven. We've got to to tweak our mind in that. Jesus came to teach us how to bring heaven to hell on earth. Man, I wish we had more time. We didn't even get started. I mean, it's like, dang it, boy. Is it time to be up? Is it 8 o'clock? I mean, are you done at 8 o'clock? It's 8 o'clock straight up. What? Go 15? I'm a Californian. California time. Hallelujah. Let me show you how this works. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Let me know when it's up there. Because I'm looking up another scripture. Is it up there? Okay. So just to show you that salvation is a perfect tense word. You were saved. Your spirit was saved, made righteous, made pure and holy when you were born again. Now your soul is being saved and your body will yet one day be glorified. Spirit. So you were saved, but you're in the process of being saved, but yet you really haven't experienced it in fullness. Got it? That's called a perfect tense word in the Greek. In English, we have past, present, and future. Look at this verse here to get, help you understand who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, present, in whom we trust that He still, or He will still. So you have a past, a present, and a future all in one verse. Got it? It's all in one verse to let you know that salvation is past, present, because deliverance is the word salvation. It's what The word salvation means to be delivered. It means to be healed. It means to be complete, to made whole, to prosper. Who has saved us, who is saving us, and who still will save us. It's a process of spirit, soul, and body. And the way you make that work in your life is by changing your heart. What you believe about yourself is in your heart. It is something in heart physics called self-talk. Have you ever heard of that term before? If you were here when I was pastor, you heard the term self-talk. Self-talk is when you do something stupid and you tell yourself how stupid you are. That's self-talk. I remember I did something I thought was stupid. And you thought you heard your daddy, but that was you. And Christopher, Christopher, when he was about eight years old, was right next to me, and I was showing him how to work. And I'm, oh, you stupid! And I was talking to me. Dad, you're not stupid. Because we were never allowed to say those words in our, in our family. Stupid and shut up. Dad, he thought I'd cussed. You're not stupid. And to hear your eight-year-old son say that, you listen. See, that's self-talk. Oh, no one loves you. You're just... That's, that, that tells you what you believe about yourself. See, you don't really need to worry about the Antichrist. 
Just give it up. You ain't gonna, you're not going to make a difference anyway. He's going to come. He's going to go. The Bible tells us what's going to happen. So what? Just deal with it. Like a great theologian once said, it is what it is. I quote you all the time. I just don't tell people who told me. It is what it is. Because you're the biggest antichrist in your life. When you don't see yourself the way God sees you and what Christ has done for you, and you see yourself the way the world has made you, you have just become antichrist. How much antichrist is in your heart? Don't ask about the world. Ask about your heart. How much of you don't agree with Jesus? Remember, if you never see yourself clearly without the veil, you'll be able to see the truth. The word glory means God's opinion, His view and opinion, His reality. We have a, I don't know if we ever taught it here, it's called wake up. Talking about those in the church that are asleep. You know what? You can't tell the difference between persons. Yeah, we taught it here. Remember when I had Chuck? Remember Chuck? Cowboy Chuck? He came up, I laid him on the table. Remember that? He laid there for the whole service. Just I forgot how long-winded I was. Because he was just supposed to be asleep and not move. And he did. Three hours and 15 minutes. No, just kidding. He just laid there. And I got up. You can't tell if he's alive or dead. Because the talk, Bible talks about those that sleep. And those that are dead. But the Scripture says, Arise, shine. For the light has come. For the glory, the view and opinion of God has risen upon. It's time to, what's going to cause you to wake up and rise up? You understanding God's view and opinion of you. It's not whether you believe it or not. It's already happened. But you won't experience it until you believe it. And that happens in the heart. Faith is in the realm of the heart, not the head. People ask me, I'll close with this. People ask me all the time, well, how do you know the difference? How do you know if it's in your head or in your heart? It's real simple. Does it move you? Does it move you? Does it create an emotion? The Scripture says, when the Word is planted in your heart, joy springs forward. There's an emotion. You're moved. Amen. There are people that hear, hear the prosperity or the giving message. And it moves them to shove their pocket deeper, their, their billfold deeper in their pocket. Oh no, here we go again. See, see, it's just in their head. It's not in their heart. There's people that hear the healing message. And they don't jump up and say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's for somebody else because I don't deserve it. That's a problem in their heart. So what if you deserve it? Jesus died for that. Amen. It's called promised land living. I know we've shared this before. Not provision. God didn't send the children of Israel out to the wilderness so they could live abundant. He just provided enough so they could die. There's pr promised land living Amen. that God wanted them to live in. And that only comes by faith. That's why they couldn't go in there in the first place. 
They, they knew what the Word said. They knew what the law said, but it put them out into provision land. They were servants under the law, and that's all they got was God's provision. And it was just enough to keep them alive until they died. But there's promised land living that comes from an attitude of the heart that will change the results of your life. When you wake up to the reality of the glory of the Lord, God's view and opinion. Glory literally is God's reality manifesting on earth. It's what's normal to God. Is healing normal to God? Absolutely. Is more than enough normal to God? Absolutely. So when you have healing and more than... See, healing and prosperity and deliverance, that's normal to God. Are there demons in heaven? No. There shouldn't be demons in people on earth. Is, is healing in, our, in heaven? Health. Health is in heaven. No one's sick. You don't get sick. That's why it says in 3 John, I pray that you prosper and be in health. It doesn't say healing. That's right. It says health. Promised land living is living in, a, in an atmosphere where no one gets sick. You don't need healing. Amen. Glory to God. And then you're supposed to reproduce after... Your own kind. What kind are you? I'm going to give you the title of the Sunday's message, and I'll make you think about it because I'm not going to tell you what it is. The question is, are you on God's bucket list? That's going to hurt your mind. Bucket list. Isn't that something you do before you die? Oh, are you on God's bucket list? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. You've given us to share your wisdom and your logic. I thank you for the word form that it comes in. But I thank you for the wisdom and logic that comes through that word form. That is the true Logos. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher of the Logos. I thank you that you're bringing us Rhema, the revelation. I thank you that we go from glory to glory. And may we begin to be who you already say we are so we can reproduce after our own kind. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Remember, don't come Sunday if you don't, if you just want to, if you don't want to be challenged, don't come Sunday. Did I say that right? Something like that? Don't listen to him. Uh, everybody come to Sunday. <laughs> That's that reverse psychology thing happening. Well, he said don't come, so I'm going to go.